Hello? 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 Yes, this is MCO. Hello? This is MCO. Hello? Hello? This is another MCO and transmission. And welcome back to the Lotus Underground. This is MC Owens, and this is going to be part three of my series on the Noble Eightfold Path. Um, today we're going to be talking about uh, right speech, uh, samyagvach, as it's called. Um, I've already done uh, the first part on this, uh, which of course the first step of the Noble Eightfold Path is right view, or samyagdrishti. And then last time I did <clears throat> uh, samyak samkalpa, the right intention. And now we begin to take that third step on the Noble Eightfold Path, which is concerning speech. Um, and I'm just going to read real quickly from the sutra that I introduced last time. Uh, this is from a sutra, this is sutra number uh, 45. Uh, Sutra 45, number 8 in the Samyutta Nikaya. And this is a little sutra called the Analysis of the Eightfold Path. And I think I read the whole thing last time, so I won't do that. But I am just going to reread. Um, and, and what the Buddha asks is right speech, abstinence from false speech, abstinence from divisive speech, abstinence from harsh speech, abstinence from idle speech. This is called right speech. So there you have it. That's what constitutes right speech, uh, are those four aspects, uh, not speaking falsely, not speaking divisively, not speaking harshly, and not speaking idly. Um, but, you know, I went looking for an actual super that I could read or that I could recite uh, that would sort of, you know, give us a little more insight into what the Buddha meant by right speech and how it functions um, in, the, in the larger scope of the Eightfold Path. And so I found a nice sutra that I'm going to do a recitation of. Uh, this is actually sutta number 58 in the Majjhima Nikaya, the middle-length discourses of the Buddha. Um, and this is a little, it's a pretty little sutra, but it's called the Abhayaraja Kumara Sutta. And this is the Sutta to Prince Abhaya. Um, and I am going to do just a straight uh, recitation of this for you, but there's just a few things you probably need to know. Uh, in order to really appreciate the reading of this. Uh, so the first thing is let's talk about uh, Prince Abhaya. This is sort of the, um, well, it's the name of the sutra, is the name of this prince. And this prince is the son of someone named King Bimbisara. And King Bimbisara appears a lot in different suttas, as well as uh, Prince Ajatashatru who is King Bimbasara's son, but there's a whole kind of narrative about how, and for all we know, these this is, you know, histor historical events, but uh, King uh, Bimbasara was the king of Magadha, that's the region that the Buddha was from. King Bimbasara's son, uh, Jatashatru, actually it seems 
uh, had his father murdered and so that he could take over the throne. And there's actually interesting suttas that are conversations between the Buddha and uh, Prince Ajatashatru, which are interesting dialogues. This is King Bimbisara's other son, Prince Abhaya, so the younger son, I believe, that did not become the king of Magadha. Uh, so that's the person who is receiving the teaching here of the Buddha. And the heart of this sutra is a, a kind of um, conversation between this Prince Abhaya and someone called the Nigantha Nataputta. And this person, uh, the Nigantha Nataputta, has appeared, also appears in a lot of different suttas. Um, the Niganthas are kind of a rival sect or a rival school of meditation. Um, and we today know of this group as the Jains, the Jains, J-A-I-N. But in Buddhist suttas, they are called Niganthas. And the founder of the Jain tradition is someone that is normally referred to as Mahavira, but in the Buddha suttas, uh, his name is Nataputta. So indeed, uh, Prince Abhaya is having a conversation with Mahavira, otherwise known as the Nigantha Nataputta. Uh, so it's kind of important in the history of religion to know that this is sort of the dialogue that was going on at the time. And I chose this sutra because it's very much, very much about right speech. Um, in many ways, uh, those four aspects of speech that I just mentioned from the analysis sutra, the idea of lying, speaking falsely, um, the idea of divisive speech, the idea of harsh speech, the idea of idle speech, all four of those sort of make an appearance in this sutra. Um, and I think that's intentional. There's a, a way in which I feel like this, the point of this sutra is to um, uh, discourse on right speech. So it's really about speech in a lot of different ways. Um, the only other kind of figure that appears in this that you may not know that I think is important to know it's kind of a very interesting backstory within the world of Buddhism, which is this other figure in the sutra is called uh, Devadatta. And Devadatta appears in the suttas a lot. Devadatta was a cousin of the Buddha, so a kind of blood relative of, the, of Siddhartha Gautama. Um, he became a monk, and there's... I mean, there's a lot of things that I could mention about this figure, but the most important thing that's relevant to the sutta I'm about to recite is that there's sort of this very interesting story It's that you kind of have to piece it together, but the story is about how Devadatta seemingly aspired to be the leader of the Sangha, like the leader of Buddhism in that way. And actually, he seems to have made several attempts to um, basically seize control of the Sangha, the Buddhist organization, from his uh, cousin, from the Buddha. In fact, when that didn't go so well, Devadatta is famous for having made 
uh, several attempts to murder the Buddha. Uh, there was one instance where he actually uh, dropped a large boulder, hoping to crush the Buddha, but that was unsuccessful. And then there was a another very famous incident incident where Devadatta got a elephant drunk so that the elephant would go charging through, uh, go, kind of go crazy and go charging through town with the hope of uh, stampeding over the Buddha. And in kind of a famous event, the, the Buddha uh, pacifies this drunk elephant. And uh, once again, Devadatta's attempt um, to destroy the Buddha, you know, is foiled. Um, so that's sort of like an interesting background story. And I actually think there's a way that that's just sort of very interesting unto itself because it's really speaks about like organizations and inner organizational strife and things, things that are just, you know, of uh, in other circumstances are very interesting to think about. But the thing that comes up in this sutta that I just want to mention is basically after this uh, final attempt on his life, the Buddha is said to have said that basically Devadatta is incorrigible, he's going to hell, he's going to be in hell for a long time. And basically the Buddha seems to have made some very, well, seemingly very harsh comments and statements about Devadatta. And so what this sutta is about, <clears throat> the one I'm about to recite, it's actually about uh, the Nigantha Nataputta trying to encourage Prince Abhaya to, to bring this up, to bring up this time that the Buddha spoke so harshly. And ultimately, um, you know, what it is, is, is that the Nigantha Nataputta, that, that is the Jain Mahavira, is trying to get this Prince Abhaya to sort of, um, uh, well, uh, to take down the Buddha in a way, to try to make him look bad, and with the hopes of propping up Prince Abhaya as a well-respected person in the community by defeating the Buddha in, an, in, a, in a kind of debate or argument. Um, that's pretty much what the sutra is about, and there's just a lot of different instances of either... Again, speaking falsely, this one is very much about divisive speech, uh, things that would divide a community. It's also, again, very much about harsh speech. And then I ultimately, even a way, even about just idle speech in that way of just useless chatter. Um, yeah, and I just want to make one more point uh, before I go ahead and, and read the sutta. And that's just, I also really, really like this sutta for one last point it makes at the end and it's this beautiful kind of end to the sutta that's about um well it's this beautiful example of a chariot and um well i'll just tell you and then you'll hear the sutta but i'll just tell you the the crux of the dialogue the prince abaya asks the buddha and basically says so when somebody asks you a question, do you have your answer already planned or do you come up with the answer on the spot? And the Buddha responds to the prince with a, a question, which is that 
he says to the prince, like, you're very knowledgeable about the parts of a chariot. And if someone were to come up to you and ask you, what's that part of the chariot called? The Buddha says to the prince, so when that happens, do you have it already planned what you will say? Or do you come up with the answer on the spot? And Prince Abaya says, well, I'm you know, so knowledgeable about all the parts of the chariot that I don't have to think about it ahead of time. I just come up with the answer on the spot. And then the sutta says right at the end, uh, let, me, let me actually grab it so I don't uh, misquote it. But it's an interesting line about um, how the, you know, the Buddha, the Tathagata, also comes up with uh, his answers on the spot. And they are not premeditated in that way. And when the sutra or when the prince asks, and, and, and how is that or why is that? It basically says that the Dharma Dattu or the Dhamma Dattu, this is in Pali, so the Dhamma Dattu has been fully penetrated by the Buddha, by the Tathagata. And through the full penetration of the Dhammadhatu, the answer occurs to the Tathagata on the spot. Um, so you'll hear that again in the context of the sutta. But the reason why I mention that is because I do a lot of uh, teaching, a lot of talking about the Dhammadhatu as a concept within Mahayana Buddhism. But I'm often saying that the, these ideas that are very, um, uh, the, these ideas that are a big part of Mahayana Buddhism, they're present in the early tradition. They're present in the Pali Suttas. And it's just interesting to notice when these really technical terms appear and to sort of pay attention to how they're being used. So again, in this case, it's about this idea of having kind of premeditated ideas or plans about what one is going to say versus a more uh, what the sutra calls on the spot, right? Sort of more uh, extemporaneous type of answers that come from a, this knowledge of the realm of dharmas. So so if you're familiar with the idea of the dharmadhatu, you'll find it interesting how it appears in the sutta. Um, Otherwise, uh, kick back and relax and enjoy the recitation. This is the Abhaya Raja Kumara Sutta to Prince Abhaya, Majima Nikaya, number 58. Thus have I heard. On one occasion, the Blessed One was living at Rajgriha in the bamboo grove, the squirrel's sanctuary. Then Prince Abhaya went to the Nigantha Nataputta, and after paying homage to him, sat down at one side. Thereupon the Nigantha Nataputta said to him, Come, Prince, refute the recluse Gotama's dharma, and a good report of you will be spread to this effect. Prince Abhaya has refuted the dharma of the recluse Gotama, who is so powerful and mighty. But how, venerable sir, shall I refute his dharma? Come, prince, go to the recluse Gotama and say, Venerable sir, would the Tathagata utter speech that would be unwelcome and disagreeable to others? If the recluse Gotama 
on being asked thus, answers, The Tathagata prince would utter speech that would be unwholesome and disagreeable to others, then say to him, Well, then, venerable sir, what is the difference between you and an ordinary person? For an ordinary person also would utter speech that would be unwelcome and disagreeable to others. But if the recluse Gotama, on being asked thus, answers, The Tathagata prince would not utter speech that would be unwelcome and disagreeable to others, then say to him, Then, venerable sir, why have you declared of Devadatta? Devadatta is destined for the states of deprivation. Devadatta is destined for hell. Devadatta will remain in hell for a kalpa. Devadatta is incorrigible. Devadatta was angry and displeased with that speech of yours. When the recluse Gotama is posed this two-horned question by you, he will not be able either to throw it up or gulp it down. If an iron spike were stuck in a man's throat, he would not be able either to throw it up or gulp it down. So too, Prince, when the recluse Gotama is posed this two-horned question by you, he will not be able either to throw it up or to gulp it down. Yes, venerable sir, replied Prince Abaya. Then he rose from his seat, and after paying homage to the Nigantha Nataputta, keeping him on his right, he left and went to the Blessed One. After paying homage to the Blessed One, he sat down at one side, looked at the sun and thought, It is too late today to refute the Blessed One's Dharma. I shall refute the Blessed One's Dharma in my own house tomorrow. Then he said to the Blessed One, Venerable Sir, let the Blessed One with three others consent to accept tomorrow's meal from me. The Blessed One consented in silence. Then knowing that the Blessed One had consented, Prince Abaya rose from his seat, and after paying homage to him, keeping him on his right, he departed. Then, when the night had ended, it being morning, the Blessed One dressed, and taking his bowl and outer robe, he went to Prince Abaya's house and sat down on the seat made ready for him. Then, with his own hands, Prince Abaya served and satisfied the Blessed One with various kinds of good food. When the Blessed One had eaten and withdrawn his hand from the bowl, Prince Abaya took a low seat, sat down at one side, and said to the Blessed One, Venerable Sir, would a Tathagata utter speech as would be unwelcome and disagreeable to others? There is no one-sided answer to that, Prince, said the Blessed One. Then, Venerable Sir, the Niganthas have lost in this. Why do you say this, Prince? Prince Abaya then reported to the Blessed One his entire conversation with the Nigantha Nataputta. Now, on that occasion, a young, tender infant was lying prone on Prince Abaya's lap. Then the Blessed One said to Prince Abaya, What do you think, Prince? If while you or your nurse were not attending to this child, 
and it were to put a stick or a pebble in its mouth, what would you do? Venerable sir, I would take it out. If I could not take it out at once, I would take his head in my hand, and, crooking a finger of my right hand, I would take it out even if it meant drawing blood. And why is that? Because I have compassion for this child. So too, Prince, such speech as the Tathagata knows to be untrue, incorrect, and unbeneficial, and which is also unwelcome and disagreeable to others, such speech the Tathagata does not utter. Such speech as the Tathagata knows to be true and correct, but unbeneficial, and which is also unwelcome and disagreeable to others, such speech the Tathagata does not utter. Such speech as the Tathagata knows to be true, correct, and beneficial, but which is unwelcome and disagreeable to others, the Tathagata knows the time to use such speech. Such speech as the Tathagata knows to be untrue, incorrect, and unbeneficial, but which is welcome and agreeable to others, such speech the Tathagata does not utter. Such speech as the Tathagata knows to be true and correct, but unbeneficial, and which is welcome and agreeable to others, such speech the Tathagata does not utter. Such speech as the Tathagata knows to be true, correct, and beneficial, and which is welcome and agreeable to others, the Tathagata knows the time to use such speech. And why is that? Because the Tathagata has compassion for all beings. Venerable Sir, when learned nobles, learned Brahmins, learned householders, and learned recluses, after formulating a question, then go to the Blessed One and pose it, has there already been in the Blessed One's mind the thought, If they come to me and ask me thus, I shall answer thus. Or does that answer occur to the Tathagata on the spot? As to that prince, I shall ask you a question in return. Answer it as you choose. What do you think, Prince? Are you skilled in the parts of a chariot? Yes, Venerable Sir, I am. What do you think, Prince? When people come to you and ask, What is the name of this part of the chariot? Has there already been in your mind the thought, If they come to me and ask me thus, I shall answer them thus? Or, does that answer occur to you on the spot? Venerable Sir, I am well known as a charioteer, skilled in the parts of a chariot. All the parts of a chariot are very well known to me. That answer would occur to me on the spot. So too, Prince, when learned nobles, learned Brahmins, learned householders, and learned recluses, after formulating a question, then come to the Tathagata and pose it, the answer occurs to the Tathagata on the spot. Why is that? The Dharmadhatu has been fully penetrated by the Tathagata, through the full penetration of which the answer occurs to the Tathagata on the spot. When this was said, Prince Abhaya said, 
Magnificent, venerable sir, magnificent, venerable sir. The blessed one has made the Dharma clear in many ways. From today, let the blessed one remember me as a lay follower who has gone to him for refuge for life. <laughs>